All right, good morning. Let's uh, open our books, our Bibles, to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. We will continue here in Hebrews chapter 4. This morning, what we're going to be speaking on, and uh, is this thing broken or dead? No, it works. All right, good. Um, what we're going to be speaking on is that the title of Accepted by God. And we're going to continue and piggyback on what we were learning last week as we move forward in this uh, somewhat of a series, an unintended series, but it tends to keep evolving into that. So starting in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, let's take a look at the scripture that we will be addressing this morning. In Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14, it says, Seeing that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast to our confession. Let's hold fast to our confession. Why? Because we have a high priest. There is no greater high priest. The high priest that we have has passed through the heavens. He is the Son of God. He is Jesus Christ. So therefore, let's hold fast to that which we have already confessed. So we have a high priest. And he goes on to say, says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. That's not the high priest that we have. So what is the high priest that we do have? Well, we do have a high priest that does and can sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because he has been there. He has done that. It says, but in all ways, but in all points was tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus has been there. He came not only experiencing it in his knowledge, not, you know, in, in all of his foreknowledge, but came and became flesh. He dwelt among us and has experienced in the flesh what it is to live out the will of God perfectly without sin, but yet still being tempted. That's the kind of high priest that we have. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. We see in verse 16, it says, let us therefore, because we have this high priest, this high priest is the Son of God, this is Jesus Christ, having passed through heaven, has come down to this earth, has experienced life in the flesh, being tempted just like we were, but yet without sin, because that is our high priest, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Before we get to really unpacking a, f- a little bit of that, I want us to go through a little bit and kind of review what we talked about last week. Last week, we learned that who we are from God's perspective, who we are, who we think we are, you know, so what? What people think we are, you know, so what? My, my interest is not so much what I think I am or, what, or who you think that I am, but my interest is the truth about who God says that I am. Who am I to God's perspective from the perspective of God? And we learned last week that we are in either one of two different categories when it comes to the perception of God. From where he is, he sees us as either in Adam or we are in Christ. We are born in Adam, therefore we inherit those things that Adam passes along. The sin nature, separation from God. But if we are in Christ, then we inherit those things which Christ has passed along to us. And we also learned that our identity is not determined by the temporal things of this world, our appearances, our occupation, our abilities, family and friend relationships, certainly not in people's opinions. And certainly we should not have the core of our existence and our identity based on our greatest failures 
or even our greatest successes because all of those things are temporary and we don't find our identity there or it's not wise to find your identity there but we find our identity in who God says we are. You know, we all too often and are all too often encouraged by the world to cultivate this good self-image. You know, you need a positive self-image about yourself. That is not true. What we need is a proper self-image. We need a proper self-image that aligns itself with what God says about who we are. A proper self-image, whether in Christ or we are in Adam. And we gain this proper self-image by understanding how God sees us. We gain this understanding when we look at ourselves through the lens of Scripture. What has God said? What has God spoken about who we are? Now, what is important about knowing who you are and having the proper self-image about who God says you are is that if you are in Adam, that's a bad thing, but you need to know that you are in Adam. Why? So that you may turn from your sin and trust in the Savior, Jesus Christ, and gain that new identity in Christ Jesus and become the fam- within the family of God and become saved. But if we are in Christ, we also need to know that. We also need to have an understanding of what that means in order for us to live out the abundant life that Christ wants to live in you and through you. If we are in Christ, we need to have an understanding as far as what that truly means. To be in Christ, as we review, to be in Christ, it means that Jesus has died for our sins. Our sins have been completely forgiven and we have a home in heaven. Those are great things, but that is only half of the gospel. The other half of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead in order to give you life. Not just life, but to give you his life. We have been made righteous, and you are righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have a new identity. You know, it's kind of hard for us to believe that an unrighteous person like myself, we may have a hard time believing how can God make someone like me who is unrighteous to be righteous before him? It's a good question, but what's even a more difficult question is how can the righteous Son of God become sin who knew no sin and to die on the cross that we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus? Though we may not understand how that can all come to be, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 teaches both. See, what has happened is that, is that God has taken my sin, has given it to Jesus, and Jesus became sin and he died for me on the cross but he also took his righteousness and has given it to me that I may have life, that I may have the life that Christ offers and gives. And out of God's love for us, he did all of this for us. Because God loves us, he did all of this for us. And now that we are in Christ, not only does he love us, but because we are in Christ, I want you to understand something here. You are completely and totally forgiven of your sin and you are totally accepted by God. <clears throat> Have you ever felt that maybe someone has loved you but not fully accepted you? Maybe in school, maybe amongst friends, maybe amongst family. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they love me, but I don't really feel as if they accept me. Now, before I lose you here, I need you to pay attention. When I talk about being acceptable before God, I'm not saying that our actions are always affirmed. 
Okay, I'm not speaking about our actions. I'm speaking about our identity and who we are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so, so put the actions and the behavior thoughts aside. I'm talking about our identity, who Christ has made us, who, Christ, how, who we have become when we have repented of our sins and trusted in Jesus Christ. The thing about it is, is that we, not only does God love us, not only did Christ come and die on the cross for our sins, not only was he resurrected to give us the life that he offers, but he loves and he is, when we are acceptable before God because of who you are in Christ. Now, in our mindset, often as Christians, we have this phantom Christian in our mind. <laughs> this person is an imaginary person, but however, this phantom Christian is the one to, one to whom we are constantly comparing ourselves to. And we don't, we don't find ourselves to be measuring up. Often this phantom Christian in our mind, he's the one who wakes up at 4 a.m. to read his Bible for four hours. And then he closes his Bible and he bows his head and he prays for another four hours. And then he gets up and he goes to work where he is the top of his field. And he faithfully witnesses to everyone in his office. He's the one who teaches several Bible studies at, at church. He goes to church every time the doors are open and he serves on several committees. And if that wasn't enough, this wonderful spiritual leader in the home, he's a sterling example of a loving husband and a father who leads stimulating family devotions every single day to his Proverbs 31 wife and perfect children. And for those of us who have that phantom Christian and we try to con continually meet up to that standard, oftentimes for those of us who are in Christ, we have that image in our minds and we think that we must meet that standard of Christianity in order to be accepted by God. We think we have to meet that level of acceptability before we can approach the throne of grace boldly. And for those who are in Christ, who believe in this phantom Christian as God's standard for acceptance, God often seems like this. It's kind of an intimidating thought to approach the throne room of grace and we see God with his arms crossed in disapproval looking down at us. And we don't think that we can approach the throne of grace because we don't meet that level of super Christianity. But is that the standard by which we can approach the throne of grace boldly and with confidence? If it's based on our actions and our own personal righteousness, then uh, no, we're not going to be able to approach it. But is it because of who we are in Christ, are we able to approach the throne of grace boldly? But to believe in that there's a standard like this that we have to meet in order to be accepted by God, I want to understand it's a bondage from which I believe that we need to be set free. Now, if we are the righteousness of God in Christ, if that is true about the believer of Jesus Christ, if we are what the Bible calls us that we are in Christ, Lynn and I, we talked about those two words, in Christ. What a, what a precious thought. 
What an amazing thought to be in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. And if we are the righteousness of God in Christ, then does God accept us based on what Christ has done for us? Or does God accept us based on our own behavior? Which is it? Let me ask you, did you become righteous by any actions of your own? No. Are you going to remain righteous by any actions of your own? Absolutely not. It's all by God's grace that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's by God's grace that he sent Jesus Christ. It's by God's grace that we have the gospel. It's by God's grace that he has has convicted your heart. It's by God's grace that he drew you. It's by grace, by God's grace that we have repented and trusted in Christ as our personal Savior. It's by grace, God's grace that we have an eternal home with Him. It's all about what Jesus Christ has done. It has nothing to do with what I have done, clearly. So does that mean that I can approach the throne of grace? Does that mean that I, can, that I am accepted by God? Let me ask you a question. If you think it's based on your ability to meet this super stature of a Christian before you can approach the throne of grace, do you think it's possible for your actions to make you more righteous than you already are in Christ? Do you think any ability, any, any work that you might do will make you more right before God, to make you any more acceptable before God than what has already been done in you and through Christ? I don't think so. You can't do anything to make yourself more righteous and more acceptable to God than you already are in Christ Jesus. Not by what we've done, but by what Christ has done, because we are in Christ. We're no longer in Adam, but we are in Christ. And therefore, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, and therefore, we are acceptable to God. And if we are acceptable to God, then we can approach the throne of grace boldly. We can walk in. But if you're a true Christian, a true believer in Jesus Christ, then you are the righteous and you are acceptable to Jesus Christ. And I believe if we say anything less than that, I believe it diminishes the work of the, of, of, of the cross of Calvary and it diminishes the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. How saved does the blood save? How righteous can Jesus Christ make you righteous? Can you ever fall from that level of righteousness that Christ has made you? Is there any point where we will fall down on the scale if we continue to fail in our sin? No. Has Christ saved fully? Absolutely. Jesus has saved fully. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ, fully acceptable to him. We, are, we have become his family and we are the children of God. We're not acceptable. We're not righteous based on what we have done. We are, we are righteous and acceptable before God because of what, what Christ has done. It's his work. He's done the job, not us. And why is this, why is this actually absolutely possible? We've, we talked about it a little bit last week. We have, what, we have experienced what we call the great exchange. My sin for his righteousness. 
And what has happened is that God has taken my sin, he's given it to Jesus, and then God has taken my righteousness, or taken his righteousness, and then given it to me. And I am able to live the life that Christ wants, but I do it in and through him. But so how can I stand up here and declare to you that you and I who are in Christ Jesus are righteous and acceptable to God in Christ? How can I boldly say that? Is it because of what we have done? Absolutely not. Is it because of what Christ has done? Absolutely. Is it because of who I am? Absolutely, because I am in Christ. Has nothing to do with my works. Has nothing to do with who, what I have done, but what Jesus Christ has done for me. The Bible goes through great lengths to declare that this is a righteous gift. This is a gift that God offers to us and is not by works of righteousness that we have done. But through his mercy, we have been saved. By his grace, we have been saved through faith. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus. So what does this righteous word mean? We've talked about it a lot, but just to give you a definition on what righteousness is, the righteousness means a right standing of total acceptability before God of total acceptability before God. So does God accept who you are in Christ? Yes. See, too often is this gift of righteousness, this gift of righteousness is only understood to be about forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven. And if we've limited the, God's grace to only that, with this understanding, you know, we'll claim the forgiveness of sin, but we will fail to rest in the fact that we are accepted by God and that we can approach the throne of grace because of who we are in Christ. And because we've been made righteous, we're no longer on a merit system in order to gain God's acceptance. We cannot gain God's acceptance. We couldn't do it on our own. We needed Jesus Christ to come die in our place and to pay the sin debt for, our, for ourselves and that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ and therefore it's all about Jesus again. If we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, we are not on a merit system to be accepted by him. Jesus has already made us acceptable to him. And so having that understanding that our identity is in Christ and having our identity in Christ means that we are completely and totally accepted by God in Christ, then we now have the courage, maybe the confidence to boldly approach that throne. And when we, when we take a look at that verse again in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, let's take a look at it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So why are we, what are we looking for when we approach the throne of grace? What do we see here? That we may do what? Obtain what? Mercy and find what? Grace. The two things for which we are going to the throne of grace for is that we may obtain mercy and we may obtain and find grace in the time of need, for help in our time of need. So not only are we looking to obtain mercy and to find grace, but the reason why we need mercy and grace is why? We're in need. <laughs> We're in need. 
Now, as a believer of Jesus Christ, living in this world, we still struggle with the flesh. What is our greatest times of need? What are the greatest times of need that we have? Is it not whenever we are failing? Is it not whenever we are experiencing temptation? Or maybe overtaken in sin? That's when we need mercy. That's when we need God's grace. As we live this life that Christ is living in and through us, and we find ourselves failing and struggling with temptation, maybe overtaken in a sin, but we need grace and we need mercy. And where do we go to get that? Go to the throne of grace. But if you do not trust that you are totally accepted in God's sight, you may hesitate to approach him. You may not even go in. You may think because of this temptation that you're struggling with, or maybe this addiction and this sin that's been overtaking you, or maybe because of your failures, even as a believer of Jesus Christ, you think, well, I can't even approach God because I'm so shameful of what I have done. And what you'll do is we'll stand outside the door of the throne room, pacing back and forth, doing whatever we possibly can to become worthy enough to go in. And what we will do, the end result will be, is that we will avoid going in to the very source of our help. The very source, which is God. To our very source to help in our time of need. I want you to understand and for me to be clear here. Again, when could we ever be worthy enough to enter into the throne room? When could we ourselves be worthy enough? We can't. We can't. Not on our own. Apart from Christ, there's no way that we could even be accepted by him. Apart from Christ, there's no approach in God. There's no way. But however, because of him, because of what Christ has done, because we are in Christ, because we have been clothed in Christ, because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, we are fully acceptable to him and we can boldly come to God at any time with full confidence that we will find open arms, open and accepted arms from our Heavenly Father. See, too often we do see the throne of grace as something like this. But in reality, it's more like this. Not because of our own righteousness, because we don't have any, but it's because of his righteousness that we can approach God, our Father, who loves you, has forgiven you, and completely accepts you for who you are in Christ. If we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then we are received as his son Jesus, as co-heirs to the throne. We can go to him in our deepest time of need. When we're struggling, we can go to him. And this reminds me of a time whenever my mother, she told me, if you ever need anything, call me. Not when you need some help paying the bills only. Yes, you would feed me. But even when I was a teenager, even if you've done something stupid, maybe you've gone to a party and maybe you decided you want to drink, I would rather you call me so I can help you in your time of need. 
Maybe you got in a wreck because you were in a car, right? Because you were driving too crazy and you were doing something stupid, but call me, I'm here to help. As a father, I want my kids to know that no matter what, no matter how stupid you've been, no matter how many times I've told you not to do it, if you are in need, regardless of how you got in your trouble, call me. And how much more of a father is God to us? A loving God who has sent his son Jesus Christ And his son, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And those of us who have repented and trusted in Christ for everlasting life, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because of who we are in Christ Jesus, we are totally acceptable to God. And therefore, when you open that door to the throne room, we know that we can be accepted. Not because of what we have done, but because we approach the throne in the name of the most powerful name, Jesus Christ. We are clothed in his righteousness. Now, as we close and the musicians make their way forward, I want, us to, I want you to hear me out and hear me clearly because I don't want any kind of confusion about what I've presented to you. In our identity, We are righteous before God. We are totally accepted by God, but it's not because of our behavior. It's not because of what we have done. And if it's not because of our behavior that made us righteous, our behavior is not going to make us any less righteous before God, and our behavior is not going to make us any more righteous before God because Jesus is the one who made us righteous. We cannot diminish the work that he did on the cross, and we cannot take any power away from the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want us to realize that I'm I'm talking about who we are in Christ, that we are acceptable, not by our actions, by our identity. And yes, we should strive to be like Jesus. We should strive hard to be like Jesus. I believe in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we are to strive to live a life that is pleasing before God by rightly dividing the word of God and applying it to our lives and living it out in obedience to him. But I don't believe that we strive to be like Jesus in order to be accepted by God. I believe that we strive to be like Jesus because we already are accepted by God. We are already accepted by him. Our motivation is is out of gratitude for the salvation that each and every one of us have experienced through what Christ has done in us. The freedom that we have to serve God. The freedom and the boldness that we have as a child of God to approach the throne of grace in our greatest time of need, which there will be times of need, And we need to understand that that throne is a God who is our Father, who has open arms and is ready to receive you and to hear how he can help. He helps in our time of need. We can't make ourselves more righteous or acceptable to God than you already are in Christ Jesus. In my identity, I'm eternally acceptable to God, but that doesn't mean that everything that I do is all right. I believe that God will use his disciplinary hand in order to redirect me back in the direction that I need to go. And sometimes I will fall out of the will of God, but the God's loving hand of discipline will redirect me to put me back on track, to pick me up and to dust me off and to put me back in the fight. But at no time during that discipline is my acceptance of him ever in question. 
Why? Because of who I am in Christ. Christ has done it all. Through him we have life. And only through him and in his name can we approach the Father boldly and find mercy and find grace in our greatest time of need. Let's stand. Let's have a hymn of invitation. If the Lord has spoken to your heart and you need to respond in any way, I'll meet you down front. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your wonderful grace. We thank you for the work that, we, that you've done. We thank you for receiving us, but only through your son, Jesus. Father, we just want to praise you this morning. Amen. Mm-hmm.